David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, God answered him, notice. Now David was just in this deception and, and, and deceiving others and himself, not acting himself. And notice, he inquires of the Lord and the Lord answers him. You know what I call that? Grace. The thing that is most noteworthy here is that the Lord heard him and not only did that, but he answered him and also gave him a promise to recover all Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it tells us that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now it was time to do something with what God so graciously gave him. David used that strength when he inquired of the Lord. Of all the time David spent among the Philistines, this is the first time we read of him seeking God in any way. During his time of compromise and backsliding, he simply did not inquire of the Lord. The one good and unique characteristic of David is that he always went back to God no matter what. This is one of the characteristics of a man after God's heart. Now let's join Pastor Rob. ...of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When you're chastened by the Lord, what, what a wonderful reunion there is afterwards. You remember when you did something wrong as a child and your father or your mother took the belt after you? You can't do that in, in this country anymore because you get thrown in jail. Your kids will be taken away from you, Right? Somebody will call CPS on you if you just spank your child once. You, you, you hear the child going, oh, no, mom, don't get the belt. All of a sudden, you've got three agents coming to your door, shackling your kids and taking them away from you. And then you're under fire. You're under, you know, you go to law. David would be chastened not only here, but he would also be chastened. Later on, we're going to see this when we get into Second Samuel. His the whole issue with him and Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah the Hittite. David would chasten, or God would chasten David again. And the difference between David and someone like Saul is that David, even though he made his mistakes, he learned from the mistakes. And he was broken when he learned from them, and he learned something. He wasn't the kind of guy who did the one thing and then continued to perpetuate it. No, God broke him every single time. He got the, the message very clearly. See, it's not, it's not the fact that, you know, um, God knows we're not perfect, but God help us if we don't learn from our mistakes. We have to learn, right, from our mistakes. Otherwise, we go through the same class again, the school of hard knocks. We go through it again and again and again until we finally get it, right? God, God wants us to get it the first time, and I think that's one of the hard things about being a parent is that you go through certain things and you tell your kids, honey, don't do that. I know because I've been there. Please don't do that. 
Well, why? Well, because of this. And you, and you explain it to them, and then they think, well, they can do it better. And then they try it, and then they don't do any better. And they get caught. And then it's just a, an unfortunate thing with the human nature. It seems like we, we're just bent on figuring it out ourselves. We have to figure it out in real time. I wish I would have been the type of person that when my parent or my mom said, honey, don't do this, I would have said, you know what, mom, I believe you. And I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not going to touch that. She'd be like, oh, it's a miracle. But it doesn't happen. Because whatever she tells me not to do and not to touch, what are those things that I do? Those things. I do those things, and I touch those things that she told me not to. Right? And so I have to learn. I have to figure this out. But the Lord indeed chastens those whom he loves. Back in our text, verse 5, it says, And so David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people, the men who were with him, these 600 men, was grieved, and very naturally so, every man for his son and his daughters and his wives and their wife. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, and I love this. Even when all things are against him, <laughs> he was a man who knew opposition. Have you ever felt opposition when you just feel like everything's against you? Having a bad day, and then you go home, and then all your, you come home, and your whole family's mad at you for something that you did. And then you go outside, and you start your car, and the engine blows up. Then you walk down the street, and you slip, and you hurt yourself. You break your foot. The ambulance comes, tows you away, and en route to the hospital, gets in an accident. And then there's a great hurricane in New York, which never happens. But this day it does. No, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. And see, that is the, the very difference between him and Saul. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And Saul, he always looked to himself and he trusted in the flesh. I love what David wrote in a psalm. He says, Who are, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. countenance. And I, I love that about David. He was always looking to the Lord in spite of the things that he went through. So verse 7, it says, Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, remember Abiathar was the, the one man of, remember when they went to the city of Nob where the priests were? And Doeg was there who blew David in, but David got the sword of Goliath. And by him being there with Ahimelech, the priest, and his 85 other men who were serving there with him, um, remember, all those men got killed, but one man escaped. And his name was Abiathar. He was a priest, and he took the ephod, and he brought it with him. And so he was among David's mighty, you know, his group of men. And he had the ephod with him, which included the Urim and the Thummim, these things that they would use to divine the, the heart of God or yes or no answers concerning God's will. So David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Well, let's go on to verse 8, excuse me. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, notice, underline that. <laughs> David inquired of the Lord. The reason I have you underline it is because he hadn't been for quite a while. This is the first time since uh, chapter 23 in 1 Samuel. Some time has gone by, and finally we have a record of David inquiring of the Lord. And, the, and it says, 
David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered. God answered him, notice. Now, David was just in this deception and, and, and deceiving others and himself, not acting himself. And notice, he inquires of the Lord, and the Lord answers him. You know what I call that? Grace. The thing that is most noteworthy here is that the Lord heard him, and not only did that, but he answered him, and also gave him a promise to recover all, though David was walking in fear and unbelief. What grace. He said, God told him, says, pursue, for you shall surely not only overtake them, but without fail recover all. And the last time again that we saw David inquiring of the Lord or praying at all was in 1 Samuel 23. We see it in verse 2 and verse 4. So in chapter 23, verse 2 and 4 was the last time. And that was when he saved the people of Keilah from the Philistines. And so it would seem that David now is coming back. I can almost hear the song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. You know, forgive me, Lord, for the thing that I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Finally, David, he comes back to the Lord. He's inquiring of the Lord. The Lord's restoring him at this time. And, and, and you know, as you look at these chapters, remember, some time, you know, is, is in between some of these things. And it seems very abrupt to us. But David, all the time that he's dialoguing with, with Achish in his heart, he knows he's living a lie. I believe he was. I believe he knew he was living a lie. And there came a point where the Lord just says, David, what are you doing? And then certainly when they get back to Ziklag, after they take this 80-mile trek from Aphek down to Ziklag, and then finding that everybody's gone, the Lord really shook him and woke him up. And I think David got it. And it was at that moment he was like, you know what? I'm done playing the hypocrite. I'm done acting like God doesn't exist. I'm done with the fear of God help. (laughs) And so he inquires of the Lord, and I love that. But it took a calamity to jolt him, to jostle him out of his sin. I love what it says in Psalm 1, verse 6. It says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. In Psalm 37, verse 17, it says, For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds who? The righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the time of evil, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, Paul tells us, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Peter also said the second thing, the same thing in his second epistle, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. It's interesting to note that in 1 Samuel 28, verse 6, you recall there was, you can write 28 colon 6 uh, off to the margin of that verse in, um, what verse is it? Verse 8. Because David inquires, the, uh, makes, he starts to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord hears him. And yet we saw the same thing happening with Saul in Verse 28, verse 5. 
Remember when it says, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, notice it says, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. And so you, you look at that, and that's quite a conundrum, isn't it? Why would God, you know, David, playing the hypocrite, now inquiring of the Lord, the Lord going, oh, David, how you doing? Yeah, what, what's, your, what's going on? And then answers his prayer, and then... Saul, back in 28, verse 6, inquires of the Lord, and the Lord goes, I'm not listening. I'm not listening to you, Saul. What is the difference? Perhaps the difference here is that God knew the hearts of these two men. He was making this determination based on what he saw in their heart rather than in the outward appearance. Could be that. Perhaps the difference is that David, even though he struggles at times, he turned from those things and turned uh, toward the Lord, whereas Saul continued in his rebellion. There's a difference, isn't there? When somebody continues in their rebellion, there's a point where God will allow you to have your decision for a time. But yet David was not like that. And so David, and not only that, but to mention the messianic promises of Christ in David's lineage. I mean, there was a lot riding on David. God had a lot to do yet in David's life. Saul's time was done. Saul had proven his, his colors by continuing in rebellion. And God had enough of that. And he didn't change. Even though he feigned to, he wanted to know if the battle was going to go well for him. He, he wasn't seeking the Lord because he really had a love for God. He was just seeing the Lord as a rabbit's foot. Tell me, am I going to win against the Philistines? Roll the dice, you know. Let's find out, you know. There's a difference between a man like that than a man after God's own heart like David. David was in it for the relationship. He had, developed, he had a relationship with God. And I would encourage you to have that kind of relationship with God, not one of where you're just kind of like going through the motions. Really seek the Lord. And see, I think when David was out in the field when he was just a young kid, a young teen, and, and chasing those sheep around the desert, he learned so much out there. And I believe that's where his relationship really blossomed. As he had to rely on the Lord for the rain. He had to rely on the Lord to protect him from the lion and the bear. He had to give him the courage to stand up to those things. He gave him the courage to, to take care of these sheep. His father's sheep. There was a great responsibility. And I believe as he stood out there, and perhaps in the evenings, he'd put them in a pen or put them in a stone enclosure, and he would probably lay out on that rock and look up at the stars and say, God, you're amazing, and he would worship the Lord. See, that's the kind of person God wants from us. He wants someone to really love him, to have an awe and a respect of him, not just a person who just reads the Bible and then we shut it and we don't have anything to do with him for the rest of the day. No, it's a, it's a relationship, isn't it? And see, that's what's different about um, Christianity and other religions. Other religions, you've got to follow this. You've got to toe the line, man. You've got to make sure you do this and do that. Oh, we messed up again. God's not going to be happy with you. You didn't write a, That check is not big enough. You need to write it bigger. Otherwise, the church won't, you know. God cares nothing about those things. He cares about the heart. He wants you. He could care less about your money. Not even your gifts and your talents. He's just like, you know what? I'd just be content to be with you. And what happens when you fellowship with God and you have a heart like that toward you? What, what does it do to you? It changes you radically. 
to where then you're willing to give anything to him. (laughs) Isn't that true? When you experience the kind of love that God has for us, he doesn't require you to come with him with anything. Come to me with all your mess. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. No, come to me with all your problems, he says. Tell me all about it. Don't be afraid. Don't hold anything back. Tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly, especially the bad and the ugly. Tell me all about it. I want to hear it. I want to hear your heart. Have you ever prayed and you just cried and you wept? You know how precious that is to God? When the first person you don't run to is your best friend, not that there's anything wrong with having a best friend, a Christian best friend, they're not the first person you run to. You run to your bedroom, you run to someplace quiet, and you get on your knees or you get on your face and you just cry out to Him. And you're like, God, I am so broken, I'm so hurt about what has happened. I can't believe this is happening, Lord. Why did you allow this in my life? Why did you allow this circumstance to come up? Why did you allow this, God? It's killing me. Why did you allow my husband to do what, what he did? And what, what, you know, why did you allow my wife to, to be involved in that car accident or, or whatever it is? You know, why did you allow my child to be you know, hurt in that way? Why, why, why? And he's like, just keep talking to me. And I'll give you the peace, I'll give you an understanding that words can't even transcend. I will tell you things, I will, I will do it in your heart. And I might even see, he'll even speak to you in his word at different times. And in your heart, through other people. Where do you go? But David was that kind of man. He loved the Lord, unlike Saul. That's why the Bible could say David was a man after God's own heart. I want to be a man. Do you want to be a woman? Do you want to be a man after God's own heart? You know what? I would encourage you to go full forward. Kick the car into gear and hit the accelerator and burn rubber toward the Lord. Burn rubber. And don't even put on the brakes. Hit the nitrous oxide while you're at it. Get up to about 120 and then hit the... And let the front end of the car lift up. I've been in a car like that. And you'd all be shocked if I told you the name of the person, but I won't because I don't want him to be in trouble. Actually, I was the one in trouble. Well, let me tell you. No, I won't. But yes, it was a 67 Camaro, and it had wheelie bars on the back. And we got to about 60 miles an hour, and this individual said, Are you ready? And I said, What do you mean? (laughs) He goes, Watch this. And he punched it, and the front end of the car lifted up. And we're smoking. The tires in the back, you know, they're about that wide. They go. But that's the way we need to go to the Lord. And don't even put on the brake. Don't even hit the parachute that comes out the back and slows you down. No, just go forward to the Lord like a raging bull and say, Lord, take me. I don't want to stop. I want to run right into you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. Amen? Just run into the Lord. Let him heal all your heartbreaking things. And David was that kind of individual. Saul was never like that. He was never like that. But David was like that, and God wants you and I to be like that. Oh, God, make that true in my own life. And he's making it true.
So verse 9, it says, So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him. So 600 guys, and they came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for the 200 men stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the river Bezor. The river Bezor is just south of Gaza, and it's a river that really runs uh, sort of um, southeast, right under Ziklag, uh, which is to the north. And so they cross from Ziklag. They go over across this river Bezor into the land of where the Amalekites had taken the people from Ziklag. And this place, this Bezor, it literally means cool because the water from the mountains melts and it runs and it goes down into the Mediterranean. So this is a great fresh water source. And so they go down. And it says, and then they found, as they go down, they cross the river. And 200 of the men were so weary because of the journey. Remember, they had just made this three-day three journey from Aphek all the way down to Ziklag. They're tired they're emotionally distraught because of what's happened, and now they're going to go out to battle again. And 200 of the guys, that's, that's one-third of his men, are like, we just cannot do this, David. We don't have the grace for this. And David said, no problem. You stay here by the stuff, and the two-thirds of us, the 400 of us, we're going to go after him. <laughs> I love that. So as they're going after the Amalekites, it says in verse 11, that they found an Egyptian in the field and they brought him to David and they gave him a piece of bread and he ate and they gave, let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him and he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Notice the compassion that David, you know, he wasn't this, he wasn't this trained killer. You know, as much as his exploits were very well known and as much of a great warrior as he was, one of the great things that, about David is he, he had this great warrior, the skill of a warrior, but he had the compassion in the heart of God. He sees a man out in the field, and David said to him, verse 13, To whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. So here you have this man, this, you know, uh, who was a, a servant of an Amalekite. An Amalekite in the Bible is, is a type of the flesh, somebody who is dominated by Satan. And notice how Satan treats his servants. He falls sick. They're retreating for the, with spoil from the battle, not assuming they're going to run into anybody because they, the Amalekites think the Israelites are way up north fighting this battle with the Philistines. They, don't even, they could have taken the time. The Amalekite could have helped his servant from Egypt. But what does he do? He falls sick and eh, just leave him. Isn't that what Satan does to us? <laughs> he doesn't care about you. You know, I think of all these musicians and these rock groups and they're, they're on the Grammys or the Emmys or whatever awards they get. And they're having the time of their life, making the money, having the fame. And they don't even realize that the devil has got them in their clutch of their hand. And then before long, you get the news clipping, so-and-so, you know, fentanyl and drugs, he died. Another one got drunk, fell off a building, died. The other guy, he's got three wives, they're all divorcing him. You know, I mean, it's just... It's just complete disaster. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.